<laughs> All of you can see uh, a smile on my face. I've been laughing for the last six, seven minutes. I have one of the most amazing young ladies on the show today, and not just because of what she does, it's because, and you're going to see her heart comes, uh, you know, right through the screen. You're going to hear it through the microphone. This is not going to be your typical interview. So if you've ever heard this young lady, you've seen her, which is every single person on earth. I asked my son at 12 years old in sixth grade this morning, do you know Adley? He was like, of course, dad. She makes those funny videos with her husband and they do silly things. And then I asked my daughter, she said, of course. I asked my wife and my wife was like, oh my gosh, you know Adley? Like I seem cool because I know this woman. I asked her what her title was and <laughs> this is from her. She said, I want to be called a creator. Now she didn't say the, she said a creator, but I just put the. We're going to have so much fun on this episode. We're going to talk about going viral-ish <laughs> and how you can uh, take your your presence, the videos that we're already doing in our life, and turn them into something meaningful for your family, for your friends, everything like that, uh, which is going to be amazing. We're going to laugh a lot. I'm going to ask a ton of questions. And Adley said, there's nothing off limits. This woman gets over a billion, with a B, a billion views a month across YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, every other talk that you could think of, but it's incredible. I'm so uh, honored to be able to have her on the show today. So let's get this party started. Welcome, 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 Adley, the creator, the creator, the, the, the creator. Oh my gosh. Well, I want you to do every intro of mine from now on. That, and I'm so hyped. That was the best opening reel I've ever seen in my life. Oh, well, that, that is a guy named Brad Dunn, and, and I'm going to introduce you to him. He's my brother. That guy is the most high-level filmmaker uh, in the business. For, for me to be able to have the Vibe Room, which is a live version of the podcast, everyone out there listening, if you get a chance, I'm going to have Adley at one point. I'm going to force her to be at the Vibe Room, and I get to interview her live uh, there, which would be amazing. So welcome oh. to the show, Adley. You're reigning from Tennessee, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. From Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. All right. I, I want to jump right in. Tell me about uh, the voice, Blake Shelton and bankruptcy. <laughs> I love it. That's such a better way to <laughs> master of the hook right there. Uh, yeah, there's a, a quick uh, turnaround. All those events happen in a very short amount of Let's time. Let's go, Adley. Come on. Right, so um was going to work in a nonprofit and wanted to just speak and encourage and inspire people. I was a senior in college and I was like, that was my path. I'm going to go work in a cubicle somewhere. And then saw this audition for The Voice and there's this karaoke show as we called it. And I, in a nutshell, 
just went, had no expectations because I wasn't really a singer. Um, but you know, where's life? It's, it's just exciting. So I drove through the night, chugged a bunch of energy drinks and auditioned at 8 a.m. and just like kept going through the process. I was like, Lord, what are you doing? This is wild. Ended up on the show, um, ended up on Team Blake and it was just a, a total blur. So fast forward, moves me to Nashville. I signed this record deal and I'm going to put record deal in quotations. And uh, it was it was incredible. And I remember laying on like the abs mat uh, in the time before you go after you are on a reality show, but before it airs, you know that your life has changed and is about to be seen by millions of people, which at the time had never happened to me before. Um, and I'm like, Lord, I would, thought I was going to go over for this nonprofit and speak and encourage and inspire people. But now I'm going to be on this big show and I have a record deal and I'm in Nashville. And I just think you picked the wrong girl because I don't know really had a sing. I just have no prerequisites for this. And I would have had friends who would have loved this opportunity. They wanted to be a singer since they were two, they would give their left arm for this, you know? And so I was having a little bit of guilt there too. And I just heard God's voice as audible as you can hear it. You know, you can't really describe it, but I just knew it was his. And he said, Ad, I just gave you a stage and a microphone and a voice you didn't know you had. What do you think you're supposed to do with it? Go speak, go encourage, go inspire people in their own authenticity and abilities. Go be yourself. I'm just going to give you a bigger platform than you were giving yourself. And I just felt that mission. I was like, okay, Lord, I will earn everything else. And then very shortly after that, I, <laughs> that record deal I had signed, I had signed away commercial rights to my name for life. I had signed away like a 12 album deal, which is pretty much in perpetuity because they can exercise those album options at any point. Um, and it was horrible. I was 23. My dad's dying of alcoholism. I can't put gas in my car. I can't work under my name. Um, and so I had to file bankruptcy and all this stuff. And it was, you know, sometimes when you tell God that you're going to do something immediately after you make that commitment, like the biggest obstacle gets put in your way. And he's like, okay, well, let's see if you really want that dream or you're really going to be dedicated to that. Or you just said that you were. And how mm. resilient are you? How much are you trusting your own abilities right now versus trusting mine? And so it that ex whole experience, I'm so thankful for it because it got the green out of me pretty quick. And it made me incredibly tenacious and incredibly scrappy because for me, there was really nowhere to go but up. Right. And so just the theme for me was try to solve other people's problems. And by solving other people's problems and serving other people first, inadvertently, you kind of solve your own. You know, that's what jobs are. That's what service is. So um, just, yeah, pulled myself out of it. I was in the music industry for the next eight years, just touring and got to go back on the road with Blake Shelton, which was an incredible blessing. We were doing mid-sized stadiums like Penn State Stadium, uh, Florida and Iowa. And it was awesome. Just It was so cool. Um, and then... I, I was tired of just waiting for permission from a suit behind a desk to say, now you can be successful. Now you can go entertain or yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to sign you. And there was just this big ceiling that felt unconquerable and such a limitation on what I felt called to do, which was just to entertain people. And I honestly was never sure that it was music. I wasn't really, really passionate about music. Um, it was just kind of the vessel that got me there, but I always, I was more inspired by how to market the music than I was making the music. And, you know, when I would light up inside talking about my day or the music, I was like, here's how I'm going to get it out there and all this. And they were like, well, do you like the song that you wrote? And I'm like, 
doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, sure, I feel fulfilled by it, but I was always way more interested in um, how to get it out there and how to help my friends and I just break through and have our music be heard. So that is my story and the genesis of all this. <laughs> what voice did he speak in? Did he have a Morgan Freeman voice? No, it was really still. It was really, it was really. But what, uh, I mean, I'm talking like, does, does, does your God have a, like when you're, when God spoke to you, did he use a woman's voice? Was it like Mary Poppins? I mean, sometimes he talks to me in Jay-Z's voice. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he talks to me in Morgan Freeman. Sometimes like this morning I was listening to Proverbs and it was mm -hmm. in this very stately, had, had, it was, uh, it had a, like an English accent. When you heard this, when you're laying down and it says, Adley, you're going to have this platform, what? It, how did it sound? I'd like to say it was like an Irish Liam Neeson. Hold on. An Irish Liam Neeson? What is, what is his? Uh, how did you get that one? Like, tell me, it should, tell me how it would sound then, because I, I want to hear, I want to hear this Irish Liam Neeson. Tell me. Say it. So Come on. I would find you and I would kill you. <laughs> uh, you go perform. <laughs> he's in like this he sounds island. Russian. He sounds well, Russian. He sounds Russian right now. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll work on my skill set next, my personal development journey. <laughs> so help me because there's there seems to be two camps, right? There's the camp of I got to do what I'm passionate about and then all the stuff will flow. Then there's the other camp that says like, just do like whatever will catch. And then you can, you know, be passionate about it later. Um, I know there's a lot of in-betweens. Can you talk to both of them to help us here? Because I think that, I don't think that there has to be as much of a division. I agree with you. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's nice to start with something that brings you energy and that you're passionate about, because if you don't really love it, you're not going to stick through the, the valleys and the, they will come you're, when you get thrown to the ground time and time again and punched in the face over and over again. You're not going to stick with it if you don't love it. But also uh, passion fades. Passion is extremely fleeting. And that's where discipline comes in too. It also depends, I think, on what you're motivated by. Are you financially motivated? Then get passion out of there a little bit. But I think you need passion in tandem with um, strong foundation and, and discipline. But why would you go be disciplined about something that you don't love hmm. at the same time? Where do you find that? Like, where do you draw on the wisdom part of it? Because as you start to get into the worlds that you do, um, it's very, very simple to, you know, gain the whole world and lose our soul, right? So how, how do you keep that balance of where do you draw? I, I, honestly, conversations like this and, and good people around you just to remind you who and whose you are, you know? Um, I, think, I think mentorship and, and controlling your inputs is so important because the world's inputs can be so negative and so um, worldly. So I think if you don't have a lot of good mentors around you and or you didn't grow up with a lot of good um, edifying people that were kind of trying to set you on the right path, we have social media now. We have mentors from afar. We have books and we have podcasts and things that uh, we didn't grow up with having those types of inputs. You were just limited to who you were surrounded by. Uh, you know, in your vicinity, but we're so fortunate now to be able to have a deeper control over our inputs to rewrite uh, what's around us and make sure our head stays in the right place. 
Do you believe that a person is just predestined to do this thing or that they will it and manifest it into being? I feel horrible because I'm going to say both again. I do think God has a plan for everybody's life. I do remember, and I think, I think you can, I think God, everyone here has a purpose and you're here and you're uniquely placed. So I believe that the, a little bit of that is into predestination, that there is a will for your life and you were made with a purpose and you have a calling. Um, and most people just don't step into that, you know? So then that's the part of willing it, choosing to step in and kind of tune into that, to that frequency and let God speak to you and work through you. I think he has a will for your life. And then you have things that you're passionate about for a reason, you know, like there's people who just love solving problems and math. And that was not a calling on my life. I stand firm in that, that I just don't think, I don't think that way. So you didn't make me passionate about that. Uh, But I, I think, everybody has the capability to step into uh, being fully known, being fully loved. And when you accept that, and when you know that so deeply, it's easy for you to resonate and then your life will change. I, I really believe that. How, how do you keep, like we'll say for you, I mean, right in the back, if you're watching on YouTube, you can already see it because all the YouTube people are happy for me because we've got royalty in our midst in, in YouTube. Um, if you're not, and you're listening on Spotify or you're listening on Apple or Pandora or um, a, a uh, whatever, wherever you're at, um, you've got the plaques up behind. And a lot of times what I find is once the plaque happens, like once that happens, then there's the pressure of the sophomore album to put it in the music business. Um, and then when we have the sophomore, then it's the junior and there becomes more and more pressure on it. I loved Andre 3000's take that uh, when they asked him, why'd you do a flute album? He was like, because I'm not doing hip hop because what would I rap about? A colonoscopy? Like when he said that, I was like, that's genius, right? How do you not get to a point where the trophy becomes that you have to get another one once you do that next video? It's got to get even more than the first. That's a fantastic question. And I think I have never treated this as um, there's an, it's not like there's a Grammy out there necessarily to win. And when I get here, I'll be satisfied and I'll be happy. And there's not a dangling carrot because all of this has been, I won't say a pleasant surprise. Uh, we worked very, very, very hard with a lot of focus and hours. Um, but it was never a, a plaque situation for me. It's like a nice to have, but my measurement of personal success is my joy day to day. And do I love what I'm doing? Is, am I having am I having impact? And do I wake up every day? And I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. And I can't believe they pay me. you know. And so that's my plaque. That's, that's what I'm aiming for is that this stays as fun as, as it is right now forever. Uh, because even if you get that dangling carrot that you think is so important to you or whatever you're chasing, whatever you're aiming at, when you get it, it rarely feels like what you thought it was going to be. You're going to realize you were the same person 10 minutes ago, but I think it's, conversely, I think it's important to have something to aim at. Not, it doesn't matter if you achieve it or not. To me, it's who you become in the process of trying to achieve that. I mean, people say they want to be a millionaire. They want to be a millionaire. They're going to be very disappointed if they're just attached to that number in their bank account uh, or on their balance sheet, you know, but the discipline that it takes to become a millionaire, multimillionaire is something you should be very, very proud of. What's the difference? This comes from my daughter. We were talking this morning and she was like, 
Pop, uh, she, she didn't call me Pops. I, someday she will, because I used to call my Pops Pops, but you got to earn that name. Um, but she, she was like, Dad, like, what's the difference between making money and having a business? Mm. That's a fantastic question. What's my your daughter's answer? awesome. Now I'm asking she, you. Awesome. I'm asking you, like, what, what is your definition of, because there's, there's times where, I mean, especially raising a, a young little girl, right? She loves singing. She loves acting. And, and I have, I had a friend the other night, uh, her friend, she was like, I really wish that I could do what I love to do. Um, but I've got to make money. And I was like, and I just heard this at 15 years old, they were winter, winter formal Mel, if you're out there listening, you know, you, who you are. Um, and she said that. And I said, ah, I said, you can actually do exactly what you love. And, you, you know, all that stuff will flow now, but we're talking about something, right? We're talking about something where you said that there's two sides to it, but then my daughter's asked that question this morning. And I was like, man, I'm going to ask Adley because it's not like you woke up and said like, I'm going to change the world by making videos that make people laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah, I, I never, I, yeah, and we're still not there. We're still not changing the world. We're entertaining people. Uh, the amount of messages that we get, of course, most of them are, are hateful. Um, really? Just well, YouTube, yeah. I tell you, I get the most hateful on YouTube that I've ever got. I have like people be like, what's up with your hair, bro? Like you look like dead Jesus. Um, you know, I, I've never experienced the type of stuff on YouTube. So if you're on right now, please comment something nice to Adley. Tell me something nice to me right now, if you can. That would be awesome. But, okay, let's go back to the question, though. Mm -hmm. Give us the difference between making money and having a business. I think making money is just very, it's transactional. It can be a one-off. Like, I made money doing music, but I didn't have a business. Mm. I was aspiring to have a business, but I think businesses have systems, process, and scale, or the potential for it, at least. You know, like now we have a business, there's money in, there's money out, there's systems, there's people, and it's an ecosystem, okay. right? But before this, I was selling life insurance randomly and I could make some money. I was selling phone cases on Etsy to flip it around and make some money. I bought a Land Rover in St. Louis and sold it in Franklin. I made some money, but it doesn't mean it's a business. It had no system process or predictability, you know? So talk to us about the system too, because I think a lot of times, um, and you, you said that there was nothing off limits and you know, there's times where when a person sees what you're doing and then what you and your husband are doing, which is unbelievable. It's, it blows my mind. Literally. Like I told my wife, I told my son, I told my daughter, every one of them was like, Oh yeah, Adley. I was like, but you know, your dad's here. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's unbelievable. The, the exposure that you've been able to, to create. And then there's this turn the turning point that happens that a lot of times happens and, and the person turns around and says, and you too can do this. And not everybody can, but is that what you're saying? Can anyone do this? Anyone that's willing to try for long enough can, I fully believe that everybody that we've got to make viral videos um, people who are selling commercial floor cleaning supplies or engineers who were camera terrified. That's my husband. Uh, we've taught to make incredible videos. So it is possible for anybody, but not everybody is willing to 
do hard things. Like they look at our videos and they look so simple and they, they are, but they don't know the psychological hooks that we're implanting every 10 seconds. You know, like there's, it's stackable learning and it's failing for a long time. Everybody's got a hundred bad videos in them. They got to get out first. And most people aren't willing to make a hundred videos. So it is accessible to everybody. 1000%. I will die on that hill, but you're right that most people aren't willing to do the work. The work is compounding. You know, okay, it, take me take me through this take me through this video, right? So, your husband took a a, a guitar, you know the one, drilled the hole, put it on the yeah. ceiling, and made a um, a burglar alarm that played the guitar and be able to do the thing yeah. without revealing all of the secret sauce. Now, I study people and I love this stuff, and I was watching and I was like, I see it, like I see what you're doing, and then it was like, watch for part two. And I was like, ah, ah, you got me. And we rarely do that too. But we had so much footage that when you make a heavy invest, we probably spent $1,400 making that video. So we want to stretch that content as much as possible. And also the beats were so many beats in there that were strong that we wanted to make multiple videos out of there. Some videos were like, that's one and done. We don't have enough footage to make that video any longer whatsoever and it still be interesting so that's why you got the part two with that one i'm sorry can, can you share can you share a little bit of the syntax and and when i say yeah. syntax it what i love about it is okay let's go down this rabbit hole for a second there's vocabulary and vernacular in certain communities that allow you into that community and in this creator community or as adley said i'm the creator um i'm joking with you it was a joke i know you didn't say that but i did so i'm gonna give you a hard time and i'm gonna sound bite this and then it's gonna be like adley says she's the creator um <laughs> i say no no press is bad press i guess so no, i want to go down that rabbit hole though as far as the the vocabulary and vernacular because a lot of times people don't understand the vocabulary of content creation. They just think of it as, are you kidding me? You're wasting your time on your phone making these videos. Why are you ever doing that? So first give us some vocabulary that a person could start to understand the words. And I'll give you a quick example. I went into the financial, uh, I'm, I, I'm in a ton of different, um, I have a, friends in a lot of different areas. And mm -hmm. I had a guy and I was speaking at a conference that was financial and he started using this word. He was like, arbitrage, arbitrage, arbitrage. And I was like, damn, he is intelligent, right? He must've went to one of them nice schools, right? That you have to pay for. I went to the ones that were free and I kept listening. And I was like, man, I'm so intimidated. This guy is, this guy is so intelligent. And then I turned around and I, I did what everyone should do. I spun around and I went to the university of Google and I, <laughs> Googled arbitrage, Adley, and it said the difference between two numbers. And I was like, ah, oh, man, this dude yeah. is using a word, mm -hmm. a, a, a $5 word with a two cent meaning. Yeah. But, but here's the deal. Once I learned the two cent meaning, I was able, then the next time I had a CFO, I was talking to him and I was like, yo, what's the arbitrage? <laughs> and he was like, damn, like, you know, and he invited me in and now I'm in the financial world. That's how I roll. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so help, right. help me, Adley. What are what are some of the vocabulary? What are some of the terms that a person, uh, not a creator, doesn't understand that when you when they understand the meaning of it, they can actually start down this road. Um, I mean, there's general words that we'll use that everybody knows, which is the hook. I think the curiosity gap, suspense. Hook nope. is the first seconds of your video. Okay, okay. here's here's the golden rule. 
for every video that we make in the first three seconds of your video. I don't care if it's a 30 second video or a 15 minute long video, the first three seconds of your video need to set up a curiosity gap that doesn't pay off until the last three seconds of your video. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Or else that goes into it. Adley, Adley, the creator, slow that down again. Slow that down again, because what is normal to you is a superpower to everybody else. Take us through that again, because that was that was fire. If you get great at that, that is truly a superpower, but that's your foundation. And there's so much else that I love teaching people. But your first three seconds need to set up a curiosity gap that does not resolve until the last three seconds. And this is social media, right? But this is not a new concept. Look at every sitcom that you love. Look at every, look at Liam Neeson. I'll use, I'll continue the example. Like he would not, if his daughter gets stolen, right? And if he found her halfway through the movie, we'd be like, ah, it's scratched. I get it. Why are we still watching? It doesn't pay off until the end. That's great movies. That's great sitcoms and cliffhangers. Like this is, this is storyboarding 101, but we're just doing it in social media where people are, are not thinking about great storytelling all of the time and all the elements of creative writing. Tell me about the one moment in the in the video, um, the guitar one. You guys got to watch this if you haven't seen it. It's, I mean, I was watching, and I feel bad about this. I was watching while I was driving. I'm, I'm not my kid, Adley. My kids weren't in the car, so don't be judging me. Don't be judging me, creator. Um, I can feel it permeating <laughs> through the video right now. <laughs> I can see, I can see that. I can see that product shot that you're doing there too. I saw that one. That syntax too. Yeah, I I, I did. So I'm going to go ahead and do mine too. Cause Opatech in Carlsbad is a phenomenal company. First form makes the best energy drink out there. I'm not an energy drink person typically. And I have two a day right now. And I'm not, my wife shops at Trader Joe's. Uh, just wanted to shout out Trader Joe's real quick. Hydrate. <laughs> I, I like Red Man. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Red Man and Concrete Jungle. <laughs> don't, don't, forget, don't forget to get your protein in. Also, fourth form. Stay hard. You stay. So tell tell me tell me about tell me about the part where. He drills through the uh, the guitar. There's wow. dust on it, and then he goes. <laughs> okay, pattern interrupt. <laughs> now I got a mouthful of food. Um, okay, so the beats of that. Hold on. See, this is real. This is real. I love that you. Was that a chocolate bar? Because. You didn't even check your teeth. And you got some good teeth too. Let me see your teeth. Those are those are good teeth. Mark Mark Willis, you gotta meet Mark Willis. He makes, he's the Picasso of teeth. Like he makes Mark Willis. I can't I'm gonna try to get my teeth right before I meet him. He's the guy. Your teeth are perfect. Did you have to get braces? Oh yeah. You did. Okay. I'm glad. Because if you didn't have braces and you had teeth like that, then I was gonna be mad at God. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you, should see, yes, you should see my husband's. His are literally perfect. Okay. Um, so go okay. back. A lot of people don't think about beats. They're just like, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to take a guitar and I'm going to drill through it. But we 
tested like three different beats before that. We were like, do we just have guitar and start drilling into it? But what's the context of that? You can do that sometimes, but I thought it was better. And we both thought it was better to rip a guitar off the wall, switch a camera angle, flip it over, zoop, zoop, drill. And then three different angles on that drill. So you can elongate a single beat. A single beat would be drilling through a guitar, right? Hold on, hold, hold the, hold the, hold the phone. This is exactly what I'm talking about here, Adley. You have said beat probably 15 times, assuming that everybody out there knows what a beat is. Now, I know what a beat is because I've written a treatment for a TV show. But what I want to I want you to tell these people because this is the this is the part that brings us into a culture and helps us understand that culture. So, beat, break it down. It's a, it's a moment that happens in a video. Okay, that is a so beat si- is a guitar. A beat is pulling a guitar off the wall. A beat is girl on her phone doing this. Like whatever your moment you're capturing is just moments in a video. Very simple, so, non-technical. So when you hear, when a person hears that I'm going to have seven beats, it means I'm going to have seven moments that are different, mm-hmm. that have a meaning. Yeah. And okay. depending on how you film that too, like a beat would be me standing up from this desk. The second beat would be, do I open the door or should the beat be, I grab my drink and I have a drink, you know, but what is the next moment that we're capturing that when you're going for certain types of storytelling, you, it's important what the next beat is. Or if I already go out the door, I mean, that's a 10 second video for me to get to here to here. So what's another beat that I can put in between that's going to maintain curiosity, you know, or what's another beat that's going to have an emotional pull or make somebody feel something. So me standing up from the desk and going out the door is not, those are not interesting beats. So I want to design more interesting beats of what happens between me getting up from this desk and me going out the door. That's going to make somebody feel something towards my video and elicit a response. Can you watch a video now and just enjoy it? Or are you breaking down beats every time when you watch a movie? I can enjoy it. I, I really, I really can. I love calling out good beats, mostly in videos. Um, but a lot of people, educators are talking head videos. There's not a ton of beats there. There's beats maybe in their script of what they're saying, but visually it's, it's kind of the same, even if when you're doing overlays and stuff like that. But I would say beats are typically action oriented. When you're watching movies, right? So I've been, I've been counting them down. So if you're watching a movie or a TV show, I'll count one, 1000, two, 1000 within three, 1000 is changed a camera angle. Is even this with movies watching? even with movies? Like if you watch it, it'll happen. Have you ever read save the cat? I have not. Well, there we go. Person. Um, you're what? I'm a dog person. Oh, it's not about cats. It's about movies and it shows the syntax of every single movie ever made down to the minute. Wow. And when I read it, it's crazy because as we're talking about this, as I read that book, you need to read it. If you haven't read it, if you haven't read it, that here's my shameless endorsement. Actually, I wrote the book. I'm joking with you. Um, I'm co- I'm joking with you. No, but it's save, it's save the cat and it goes through and it gives the syntax or the system. Syntax is just another word for system and system is a, a word for a bunch of little things in a row in succession all the time, consistently, mm-hmm. right? And so I like to, that book, it was nuts. If you don't want to ruin movies, don't read the book. 
Okay, I feel like my husband's read this book then because he ruins every movie. He, he just calls it. And I'm like, I'm not there. I'm enjoying it. And he's already just told me what's going to happen. I'm like, well, then what are we doing? You know, why are we even watching? And I already know that suspense is gone. But he wants to be, he wants to be right, you know? Of course, we always want to. Of course we do. So help me with this because is the camera angle considered a beat or can it be the same camera angle with a different beat? Same camera angle. It beats built inside whatever's being captured. Mm. It, I mean, if I'm, we're, so sometimes to elongate a beat, we'll have, uh, he's drilling into the guitar. That's a big emotional moment for a lot of people if you read those comments. So we're drilling into this guitar um, and then I'm going to get that drills is cutting into the guitar. And then I don't want to really stay on anything for more than a couple seconds. So I'm going to switch to a different angle and okay. then I'm going to do a forehead thing. And then I'm going to have it and pull it out and spin it at the camera. You know, I wouldn't say those are three different beats. I would say that's three angles to elongate a single beat. Okay. And how, like, cause you guys have moved into the education side of it, right? So a large portion of, of you guys is not as much you guys, you two making the videos as you teaching people on how to be able to do it. Right. When and did that, yeah, when did that. that shift and why? The, I mean, the root of it really is, I think most of us will find that once our immediate oh, needs are open, met. Open tech. <laughs> and I think we've talked about this, actually. I feel like uh, once most of your immediate needs are met, you don't have to worry about uh, food or a roof over your head. Um, and you immediately want to help everybody around you that you love and care about have that same type of security and feeling. And you want to pass on this good thing that you found and you have a system for. So for us during, during quarantine, when we were like, oh my gosh, our lives are changing so rapidly and our friends are going through the hardest times ever. We want to teach you how to do this. We want you to have the same gift because you are so capable of doing this. And then their lives change. And everybody that we've taught this, that's applied it, their lives have all changed. So now we're growing as a company so rapidly that we need to honestly train more people how to make high retention, high earning videos. And then they don't even have to spend years building up channels if they don't want to. We want to teach you because I need more talented creators to populate my channels. So instead of me continuing to teach one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three, that's exhausting. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to teach this and I'm going to do weekly coaching. And then if you want to learn, I would love to teach you because I love to do it. I know how life-changing it is. And I love taking what would take somebody 10 years, what it took me to figure this out. And let me help you get it done in one, if you're willing to do the work. And that's f incredibly fulfilling because I think it's way better now. Somebody told me this once. I'm like, it's so true. It's way, it's a way better feeling to write a big check than to cash one once you get past a certain point. So that's a, a great perspective. Now, <clears throat> what do you say to the, because I want to talk about the skeptics because there are people that are skeptical about, about the stuff, right? So there's, yeah. because <clears throat> right off the bat, and I want to tell you, right off the bat, the, probably the first skeptic says snake oil. Yeah. You did this thing, but you went Why viral, you but, but here, but here we go. Like Adley, you were also on the voice. You had millions of people see you before you were hanging with Blake Shelton. You were flying around the country. You were doing all these things. You had all this exposure. Yes. You went and did it. 
help us with those kind of things because I think that no, my, most of the time we don't hit the skeptics head on. We just kind of like, we kind of add more of the benefits, but we don't really talk about that part. A hundred percent. And to be honest, my case story is not the best one. Like I had a hundred thousand followers when I started 10 years ago. So it was kind of so irrelevant. You, yeah. You were gangster already. <sighs> I mean, a hundred, what a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand in 2013, a hundred thousand today means that you paid $25 to Ahmad that reached out to you on Instagram and told you that it would uh, happen tomorrow. Honestly, yes. Uh, so I did having a head start. Um, it, I was making videos for three years and they made no money. Um, so it was just it was it was really the craft and the craft that I was doing back then is not much to do with the craft I'm doing now. But still, what a foundation block to learn how to perform, how to be on camera, how to entertain. Right. So I have that leg up. That's why my case study isn't my favorite. But everybody making videos in our living room. That's a great case study. Uh, my brother is a great case study. My best friend's a great case study. All the people we've taken to a million followers and beyond in a year is a great case study. The people we've made millionaires in a span of eight months is a great case study. This girl who I taught or her second video ever made $83,000. That's a good case study. You know, it's, so it's not really about me. It's about everybody <laughs> that we've taught this information to, again, who applies it actively. Um, those are the lives that I'm, I'm excited to brag about the most. Can you talk um, about that? Because I, I, what I want to congratulate you on is very few people say what you just said. And the, the, the little part that you just said that is the golden nugget is that are willing to do the work. Like it's not gonna, like Adley is not a success overnight. Adley is somebody who has worked her tail off. Can, can you talk a bit to that part of it? Because it's not, again, it's not something that, that, that mm -hmm. probably wouldn't go viral. Hey, everybody work really hard for a really long time. And if you suck for a long time and you're willing to get punched in the face, the throat, get kicked while you're down, then you too can follow my course and be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, that's not a sexy tagline, but it's an honest one. Uh, but the thing is, yeah, are you willing to fail? Are you willing to be embarrassed? Are you willing to do it all publicly uh, for a decent amount of time? Then I think you have all the ingredients for success. And then our role into that says, hey, even if you've gone viral before, but you haven't done it again, let us show you how to increase your chances at bat from a one in a hundred chance of getting a home run to 75 out of a hundred getting a home run. So that's our only promise is we're going to give you the formula that works seven out of 10 times to go viral. And then the algorithm, all these other things are at play. But if we kind of have the know-how there also, we have the relationships there. Let us be a coach that's in your corner and compress the time it takes you to be successful. So you don't have to figure out what's going on. We're studying 300 pages of data a day so we can see things before other people. And then we're giving everybody that information because my only job is to make you really, really good. Otherwise, what am I doing? You know, mm. we don't make our money off the course. I am in the hole, to be totally honest with you, $300,000 on this course. <laughs> so I have a long way to go to be profitable on this thing. And if you're in our group right now, 67 bucks a month. So we ain't getting rich on a course. I'm trying to train as many people as possible to do this, to fulfill our channels, because I'm continuing to be a crazy person and make more and more channels and get more and more real estate 
and I want to train as many talented creators as possible to make high retention videos so that they can change their lives and their families. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you about a, a word that you just said in that you said, uh, you know, about it. And then you said the one thing was, uh, relationships. And so how much of that is based off of that the people are hanging with you? Because I can tell you this, um, cer certain friends that I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be around. Um, I could do probably the dumbest idea in the whole entire world. And I could have my buddy be like high five and that thing would go. Now I don't yeah. bring dumb ideas to them, but it would happen. That's, there's a difference between that and the system working, right? That's a person working or a, a relationship that works. Like say a person wanted to <clears throat> say, if a person wanted to be a, a, a national best-selling author, my relationship right now, like one phone call and literally you could have mm -hmm. a hour and a half, two hour conversation. Now it's going to cost you. Um, but with the relationship, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's the relationship. It ain't the system. How much yeah. of it is the relationship and how much is it the system? I think the relationship is only as good as the information because I can't call Mark Zuckerberg and, and say, turn this page on. We have pages with flags right now. Now we know the key to remove them where most people don't, but it's a process. You okay. know? So really our information is the access um, and then the system that we put in place. But I, you can't shortcut the system um, just with snapping your fingers. And I can't do that for you. I can give you a really strong foundation, help you get there faster but I can't do the work for you. You still got to make the video, but our information is going to help you get successful a lot faster than doing it on your own. Our community is by association going to increase your chances at bat for going viral, for getting more products, uh, more eyeballs on your products or service, you know, more clients off social media, more money from the views, you know, whatever your goals are. So how does a person make money from views? Cause this is a confusion too, especially like <clears throat> there are times where I, I, I get off my, I'm a get off my lawn kind of guy, right? Especially in the NBA. Like I'm going to, okay, here's my soapbox. I love team basketball. I don't like individual basketball. I like team basketball. That's why I like the Warriors. That's why I, I love the Warriors. And that's, I mean, that's why I love Steph Curry stay on the same team. I, this is my get off my lawn kind of thing. Talk to the get off my lawn person about content. Like, hey, why make them videos? How does it even make money? Whatever it is. How does the process actually happen? Because no one says this. I had to research and figure out <clears throat> 1,000 subscribers on uh, YouTube, 4,000 watch hours in the course of 35, uh, 365 days, or 10 million views on your shorts within 90 days or whatever it was. And... But no one told me that. They were just like, oh, you need to get monetized. You need to get monetized. You need to get monetized. I'm like, how? No one would tell me. How do they do it? So every platform has different criterion for eligibility and for your monetization. So you just listed them for YouTube. Facebook has a totally different set of requirements. So they're not just shelling out money to people who aren't, who just post a video once every seven years, right? But if you can show consistency and that people care to watch, certain amount of watch hours and watch time, then okay, let's let's make you eligible for monetization. Here, apply and then we'll we'll turn on your channel for monetization. We'll start running ads in your content and you get paid that way. On Facebook, it used to be for every million views, it'd be about a thousand bucks. 
And that's all based on a CPM. Who's watching? Is it American audience or is it international audience? And it's typical standard supply and demand, right? And so that number can go up, it can go down. <clears throat> but uh, I've, got, you, I've got a question. Yes, sir. You said CPM. Break it down cost per 1000 views. So most platforms are going to pay you the creator for every a set amount for every 1000 people who watch your video. So if you get 1 million uh, views that what's a $10 CPM or something uh -huh. could be an average. Um, and so that's also how advertisers pay. What's my CPM to get in front of a 1000 targeted people. And then we're making the content that the ads go in. So they're paying us the, on a rev share. So every ad dollar that Facebook gets, we're getting 55% of that, you know, uh, and they're getting 45. Okay. Might be a reverse. And how, how about, uh, how about Instagram? Is it different? Instagram, they have early kind of monetization, but it's not really worth mentioning. Okay. TikTok. Not exciting. Um, yes, the, their live monetization, just for going live, um, have to hit certain criteria for all of this, but they have the creator fund turned into creativity program. And so they're doing the same thing that YouTube's been doing for ages, where you, an ad pops up in your content on, on, on YouTube. You're usually used to seeing an ad before you get to watch the video that you're trying to watch that is paying the creator, incentivizing them to keep sharing information or keep entertaining. Got it. And so creators who make a living making videos, most of them are either getting paid from brand deals or their followers are subscribing to them in some type of way for a recurring payment or getting paid from the platforms to keep people on that app for longer periods of time. Okay. And break it down with YouTube too, because I didn't realize this, but with shorts, not shorts watch time counts to the watch time of the 4,000 hours that they're talking about. So when you look at your, your analytics and it says 25,000 views or whatever it is, or, you know, that would be for you in like three seconds. Um, but when you talk about that, when you do that, and then you look at your watch time hours, your watch time hours might be super high, but, mm -hmm. but they take out the, the short, the shorts don't actually count towards it. Am I correct on this? You can make money on shorts. I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe there's two different types of eligibility. You can make money on shorts or you can make money on long form. And I think they're two separate paths. Mm -hmm. um, and the one, the one is like 10 million on shorts. I believe it's 10 million in 90 days. So okay. 10 million views on shorts and, and you're able to, to monetize, but that was where the confusion part is. And then once that happens, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, if I just get monetized, then Heaven opens up and just rains down Lamborghinis, cigars, and private jets. I'm going to pull up my stats right here, and you'll see I'll just debunk everybody's excitement. <laughs> I'll go to our biggest account um, right now. I think it's called Prank Me Later is earning the most. Okay, so this is the highest. This has 2.9 million subscribers. It's a prank channel. Uh Give me a minute. I'm going to get into here. Yeah. 2.92 million subscribers. We started this just that 12 months ago. Okay. Uh, about 3 million subscribers. So we got there pretty quick. Um, let me. Here we go. Okay. So uh, 2.9 million subscribers, 
2.9 million subscribers on Prank Me Later YouTube channel. We've grown 445,000 subscribers in the last 28 days. Got so it. Just half a subscribers just this month. Okay. Take a guess on the estimated revenue, mostly from shorts. 15,000? $4,600. Good God. This is the right. reality part that most people don't talk about, right? And I mean- 145 million views okay. in the last 20 days, 145 million views, uh, which is low by our standards. We're down this month, but 4,600 bucks. So $4,600. So there's, uh, like you guys own that channel, but there's other people that are actually making the videos on the channel, like actor or like not actors, but I mean, you know, we'll call them influencers. Mm -hmm. They're doing that. How do you compensate them? And how do you not become the record company that basically owns your soul when you make $4,500? There's no way that you could pay these people any, uh, you know, a, a living wage. Mm -hmm. From their standpoint, they were like, oh, I got, if in my head, if I was on the show and I got, I had 2.9 million subscribers and I was like, yo, Adley, you need to break me off now. And you're like, yeah, here's a, a Reese's peanut butter cup and uh, a, a half a Kit Kat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you gotta, you gotta win by volume. How does I'm that, sure. how does that work for the person that you're working with? Uh, so we, we uh, will never be a record label because I do not ever want to own a creator's piece of content ever. And we split everything 50, 50. I don't see any record labels doing that. Dollars, <laughs> <laughs> You're getting, you're getting $5. We just split it down the middle. That's awesome. And again, it depends on CPM. So another channel is 2.7 million subscribers. It's done 180 million views in the last 28 days and has made $9,100. Okay. You know, so that has that's made significantly more. It's a more uh, middle of America type of channel. It just does gender reveals for the most part. Okay. All right. We, um, so it's different, but yeah, shorts, you got to win by volume. So typically we put a couple creators on each channel and then yeah. they kind of take ownership of that. But for these channels currently, we just have staff creators. So they're paid a salary yeah. uh, just to populate all of our existing channels. But the yeah. problem that we have why we're trying to train more creators is because I keep making new channels and our staff can't keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep growing as a company. So as you, as you go through, right. And when we're looking at say viral content or whatever, we've got to constantly stay up on that. Um, we've got to stay current, right? So a, a video from 10 years ago, um, a lot of times isn't going to hit the same way it would today. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it could, but in most mm -hmm. cases, if you're talking about cat Williams, uh, five years from now, people are going to be like, what? And, but right now everyone's trying to do the exact same interview outing every single person in the world. And it ain't hitting the way that cat did. Right. So how do you keep yourself? Like how, how does that talk about the mental or emotional strain on that? Because you literally got to, I mean, you, you've got to hit. Yeah. We, oh yeah, we, we definitely have to hit, which is why it's important to have a system and a formula. And you can look at any of our videos. I don't care if it's a brand deal video or a silly entertaining video or a cooking video or a fitness in tutorial, they all follow the exact same formula. And that's how we're able to increase our chances at bat for virality predictably and sustainably. And that the second we lose that, uh, we'll lose everything. But fortunately we've got a lot of tools in our tool belt. And as quick as we can download them, we're passing them on to our virus creators. So I, I, this is the thing is I could speak in um, 
a cultural vocabulary that no one would understand. And I could give away a system right now that would work for every single person that used it. Really? Yes. Now, could you do this? Because I would never ask you to give away your syntax or your system. But what I'm saying is, watch this. <clears throat> okay. I was, I was telling you before, we owned salons for years. We were in the professional beauty industry for thir uh, for over 30 years, uh, worked with Paul Mitchell. My wife is still one of the top hairdressers and, uh, and educators in the world. And all the Paul Mitchell ads that come out um, through, you know, any uh, ads that you see in a salon or billboards, my wife does all the hair for all of those. And so, but here we go, and I'll break it down. <clears throat> There's only three places to stand, one, two, and three. Okay, there's only three elevations. Um, one length, uh, graduated, and uh, or three elevations. There's, uh, there's low, medium, and high. There's only three arm angles. Even Steven, elbow high, finger low, elbow low, finger high. There's only th four points on the face that matter. Eyes, nose, lips, chin, and collarbone. If you know that system and you put it in play and there's only four scissors that you would need, which we actually created, which was a straight, a 70, a 20, and a 50. If you had those, every single person out there that took 40 hours to be able to train and I could take a monkey to be able to do it would make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and retire very, very wealthy if you use that part. But when I say that, I can say that openly and mm -hmm. no one would know where number one, number two, number three was unless they had worked with me before. Mm -hmm. Is there a way when you say every single video has the save the cat, when you read the book, you'll see what I'm talking about. Could you say it right now? Could you say it? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what our formula is and it's just going to sound, well, obviously I knew that already, possibly, right? Um, everything that follows that golden rule that we talked about earlier, where you, in the first three seconds, you create a curiosity gap that doesn't pay off until the last three seconds. So you've got your hook, you have your suspense, but there's seven elements of suspense, right? And then there's the payoff and there's about three primary elements we use there. And then we have engagement tactics and then we raise the stakes which has five primary ways that we raise the stakes in every video and you need to use at least three. So yeah, there's very, it's very stacked formula and you will knock it out of the park seven out of 10 times wow. or at least 10 X the views you're used to getting. I'm very confident in that. We've just seen it too many times. This, this makes me so happy. Um, because <laughs> makes me very happy too. <laughs> well, it makes me so happy because watching it and, and hearing it from a distance, when you hear about it and you hear about, you know, whether it be the views or all the stuff, I love how real you are about it because a lot of times people hide behind the fact of they don't talk about the reality part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just, I want to, I want to congratulate you on that. That's, it's unbelievable. What, what save, I'm going to, I'm the king of transitions and very smooth ones at that. I've noticed. So what safeguards are you putting in your marriage when you're dealing and with the type of exposure that you have every single time that you see this happen, Every time mm -hmm. when somebody is out there in the public's eye and it's constantly there, there becomes the pressure and then challenges start happening. What safeguards are you and your husband putting in into your marriage to make sure that as you go along and create this viral content and that you're out there and you're helping people, you know, helping people to be able to do it, that you guys stay as safe as possible in your marriage. I love that question. 
Uh, first of all, we have the shared foundation of our, our moral compass, our values and our faith. And when you're aligned in that, it makes the rest tend to fall into place because you can trust each other and you can trust intentions. Not to say that we're not human and have very human moments that we don't have disagreements and don't always solve them in the most amicable ways. But having that foundation has been incredibly important to our marriage. And then we're both, we built this together. Not to say that also that can't crumble, but our mission and our shared values are aligned. We know what we're aiming at together. Also, I would have probably maybe lost the business by now if I didn't have him as a grounding agent to you know keep me um, sane and straight as a as a big dreamer. We have just a great uh, balancing technique that we have between us. And also, have you seen my husband? He's absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of temptation that's going to beat him and my dear. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody works a drill through a guitar like that guy. <laughs> so help me with this too, because I think a lot of times when we go through as uh, you, no children right now, am I correct? No. Okay. When we go through and we're doing our thing, um, where we have, you have this resilience that I, I want to congratulate you on too, because, and you talk about it, right? As far as being able to take the punches, roll with the punches, go through these challenges, a lot of times when we do those things, we're willing to go through anything. And then we bring kids into the situation, um, children. And now we have two, my wife, Brooklyn, who you're going to love. You won't even like me when you meet her because she's so cool. Um, but I look at it and as I went through some of the things that I had to do or the things that I, not that I had to do, I chose to do. If my kids would then ask me, mm -hmm. daddy, I'm thinking about doing this. And I would be like, even though I did it, don't. <laughs> yeah. What would be that conversation? Although you don't have children right now, what would be that conversation to maybe a niece or a nephew about this industry that you would say like, just be careful. Mm. You know what? It's, it's, it's a hard one to answer for this industry in particular, because what was true six months ago, isn't true now. Mm. And surely what was true a year and a half ago is definitely not true now. So the safeguards of what I could say today are not true for what I could say in a year from now, or definitely by the time I have kids, it's a totally different ball game. So my coaching would be less about do's and don'ts of the business, but more about do's and don'ts of their character and integrity inside this business. What would that because be? What would that be? Honesty. And like for our clients, especially like I've had so many people in this industry, screw me out of, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars because they were just overinflated marketers and they oversold their capabilities and really put me in some tough situations, trusting the wrong people. And I said, I will never become one of these people because I want to be in this industry for a very long time. And I want my reputation to precede me. And I want the, the best people in the world to feel comfortable with my name coming out of their mouth as a recommendation and know that if they're making a referral, that their client is safe with me and I will take a bath or I will refund you before I make you lose a dime. Like I will lose before I make you lose. Um, and I always try to under promise and over deliver. So I'm more concerned with their character of how they're treating other people in this industry. If they want to be in it in a long time, or even yeah. if they jump industries, your, your character is the only thing that you're taking with you throughout this journey. And if you're willing to compromise on that, then you're willing to compromise and fake your way through other parts of your life. And then that's always going to bite you in the butt. <laughs> what were some of the foundational things that, you know, that you, maybe your parents or your uncles, aunts, uh, grandmama, grandpa, whatever, 
that maybe you resisted as a kid, but now you're looking at it and saying like, I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm probably glad they spanked me. <laughs> I don't know. It was some level of discipline. I think honesty, uh, hard work. You know what I've realized late, lately that uh, my mom did for me was she gave me a vision to see outside of my current circumstances. And I don't know if she did this on purpose, but my mom is a school teacher and a PE coach. And I'll tell you what, she flies free or private everywhere she goes. She gets, she's just the ultimate life hacker. She knows she couldn't get into this Kevin Costner concert uh, a couple months ago in Jackson Hole. And she goes, hold on, let me make a phone call and got everybody into the sold out Kevin Costner show to go hang out with Kevin. Like she just is the ultimate life hacker for somebody who makes $32,000 a year. Um, and she never let herself have this limiting belief of I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma and teach at a, a school. And this is just what my life is. She's always outside the box of her circumstances. And I think watching that as a model for me, as a blueprint, and just the way that I had the audacity, I guess, to say, I can move across the country by myself. And this really bad thing is happening right now, but that that doesn't mean it's forever. You know, this isn't confining. This is more of an opportunity because by example, that's how my mom would treat it. And she never preached that really. But I think subconsciously I soaked that up from her um, as a wonderful model. It was a wonderful role model. Yeah. Well, I want to compliment you too. Um, This is way too many compliments for you. Um, (laughs) Have you read my comments? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm doing it. We're on YouTube. We're going to get some, we're going to get some shade. Um, And I get the, the, the wild, I get the wildest one. So it's like personal digs. You know what I mean? Like you may get it about your content, but literally like people are. No, it's it's the comments that hurt the most that have a little bit of truth to them. Oh my gosh. When the dude said about like dead Jesus, you know? I was like, that yeah, one is funny. That's, that's funny. And I'm sensitive about that. Adley. You just said it was true. Um, <laughs> how, how do you like, take us through a specific of when, you know, something that maybe all of us have seen that has that syntax or system that you're talking about. Right. Because when they hear the hook, they hear the um, curiosity, uh, curiosity gap, right, that you were talking about. And then it doesn't end or it doesn't uh, answer it, doesn't scratch the itch until the last three seconds of the three seconds. You went through those things. Give us an example of an everyday thing. This is what blows my mind because we live in these things all the time. But a lot of times we're not aware of them. But you're aware of them. Yeah. You know, maybe not as much as you give me credit for. Um, cooking is a great example of that. You don't know how it's going to turn out unless you pull it, you know, make the whole meal and put all the ingredients together and then walk it over to the oven, pop it in and pull it out and see, and then taste it, see if it's any good, you know, but we've got a little hook of, I want to make a casserole tonight. And then I'm going to add in all these ingredients. And then it's a big curiosity gap to see if that's edible, especially if I'm cooking it. Uh, you know, but there's this, um, this, uh, storytelling, there's this arc that really everything or not everything, but so many things abide by, you know, that there's, there's suspense and there's resolve. 
I want I want to go back to the the compliment because the the compliment I didn't even hit it, but the compliment to you is most of the time when people have the type of trauma or when I say trauma, some people are gonna be like, that's not really trauma to get a record deal and then it be bad. Like you know, some people. I mean, that's but that's the reality. Right. Some people are like, oh, boohoo. You got to travel around the world with Blake Shelton and be on the voice. Bleh. Right. Yeah. They don't understand the, the part of it. But most of the time in that, the person takes the doo doo in their life and then literally lights it on fire to then fuel them. And then I'm like, but your exhaust fumes are hot poo poo. Right. You haven't done that. You've turned it into the positive part and you don't even speak negatively about it. That's an art form. How can a person do that in their life as opposed to uh, running off negative fuel? I, I love that example. I've never heard that before. But yeah, it can either be poo-poo smelling fumes or it can be fertilizer, right? Uh, so that that poop. Yeah, cool. I love that. Um, I think you only speak negative about the negative experiences in your life if you're still stuck there a little bit. You know, if you haven't really moved through it, you know, but because I able to take that, and Lisa Nichols says it best. She said it's either your fuel or your fortress, and most people take those negative things and all those why I can'ts and why I'm not, and they let it be all the reasons why they're not moving forward. They make it a fortress, and instead turn that into I'm sure going to do it because this happened to me. I have to make that purposeful, and now this is my fuel. I have to get it done for my kids. I have to get it done for my testimony. I have to get it done to show other people that it's possible. So it's either your fortress or your fuel. And if you let it be fuel for long enough, then you're flying, baby. And you're through it. And then you've got the testimony and the story to show other people, look at what the heck is possible if you move through the poo-poo. So keep moving through the (laughs) poo-poo. It's true. And I mean, there's so there's so many times where I'll I'll hear a person that says like, all, all you have to do is tell me I can't. And that will drive me. And I'm like, but you're driving on poo-poo. Like that you're you're making a doo-doo car and then driving it around and wondering why people won't hang out with you. It's because your car is made out of doo-doo. And it's admitting hot what's yeah. worse than doo-doo? Only hot doo-doo. That's the only that's the only Yeah, having chickens in the backyard, I can I can testify to that. When it gets too hot, ooh. Oh. Yeah. How, how many chickens? Well, um, we don't have them anymore. We had three hawks build nests out there in the back. So they were just getting picked off one by one. So we donated the chickens to them. You, you didn't have hawk collars on them? What? You didn't have hawk, hawk collars? Uh-uh. I, hawk vests where they wear like these cool vests and stuff. But these chickens are, they, they didn't. No, it's a vest. collar and it repels hawks. The little necklaces they could have been wearing this whole time. I have no idea. All right, I'm getting chickens again. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> There's no such thing as a hot collar. I said that joke one time. I said that joke one. Actually, I didn't even say the joke. I was with a woman, and she was so distraught. Her her dog had just got, she had a little chihuahua, and she said, there's a hawk that dropped down and just took the hawk, uh, took the uh, puppy. And she said she, was, she had just got the puppy. And this is sad because I'm going to get in trouble for this. And... Cause I'm going to laugh at it. Yeah. Well, I picked up the hawk and she was crying while she's telling the story. And the friend next to me was like, it wasn't wearing a hot collar. And, and I died. But the person that said it was behind me and said it till only I could hear. So now I'm laughing at this woman's plight 
And she's like, how insensitive are you? And the woman, the friend that's with me only said it so I could hear it. And I become the insensitive one, but I just got you on it. So I feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah, you paid the, the <laughs> forward. Go you. back to the footage because when I said a hot collar, you were like, oh my, there's hot collars? Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I, I all those traumatic deaths. <laughs> I had to witness and other people did too. It was horrible. And then you could have made a viral video about the hot collar. You could have sold it. Yeah. Oh man, that's really good. Kind of want to. That's Blake's next video. Perfect. <laughs> Will you please do it? You Maybe ten percent. Yeah. No, no, I don't even want to. I just. Well, actually, I do. Um. So, but if you could just you can save money, you know, it's really it's gonna be. I know. Thing. You can say you, you can send me thirty cents. Um. So if you if you do it, I just need some sort of like nod, not even a full beat, just a half a beat. Like, yeah. you know, just throw a, 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 some dreads in there and it would be good. Yeah. Like, awesome. Awesome. So how is it that you are able to stay present in your life when you're constantly, I mean, I'm sure as a creative mind, this was always tough because like speaking, and I've been in the speaking world, like uh, the keynote speaking world for 30 years, right? So traveling around it and, and I'm constantly looking at different bits of information or different inspiration. Right. And I had been doing the uh, corresponding proverb, corresponding day. And I did one last night on Proverbs 7. And when I read it, I tried to trick God into my syntax and my system. So wow. when I was reading Proverbs 7 yesterday, I, I was like, I'm spending time in the word, but I'm looking for the hook and I'm looking for the title. And God yeah. was like, God was like, I ain't going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. I just need you to be present with me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, God, I want to be present. I got to get the hook. I got to do this. How do you and your husband turn it off? This is something I'm really working on. You know, you gave me a compliment before you knew if it was true. You're like, how do you stay so present? I'm like, I am working on that. Um, I, I'd say that's the biggest work that I have to do. I think I feel so fortunate to get to do this, that I set my mind on this and it's actually come to fruition bigger and better than I had imagined for myself that, um, I really love it. Um, so it's a, it's a blessing and a curse when your hobby and your passion does become your career because they're who it's not what I do. It's very much who I am. You know what? I was doing this for free before it ever paid me a dime because I do love to do it. And I'm really excited to get back into making more videos. So that's the next phase for us and in a totally different way than anybody's seen from us, especially. Um, but um, I think it because I'm always being challenged and always growing and there's always problems in front of me that are bigger than I know how to solve. It feels selfish to turn it off. It feels selfish to stop trying and, and, and rest and take a break. Um, one, because I love solving those types of problems too. I feel fortunate that I get to and three, it's bugging me that I can't figure out how to do it. So okay. I don't watch a lot of TV uh, or movies and my husband's much better at compartmentalizing in that way. Um, because he wasn't making videos before this and he doesn't really have a passion for it. He has a passion that for the fact that we get to do this together and it's been such a huge blessing in our lives, but does he want to make, would he be fine if he never made a video again? Sure. Whereas me, I would feel like I'm losing a part of myself. So it's much harder for me to turn off, uh, because it's growing so fast and there's a lot to, to do. Um, how, do how does, uh, Adley, how does the, the routine mm -hmm. not become the religion? I think um, that's a great question. 
I think because in the specific job that we're in there, uh, if there was a routine for a week, that would be surprising. <laughs> there is no routine, Kelly. We're just flying by the seat of our pants over here. So the day we get a routine, I'll, I'll call you and I'll be like, hey, it's been the same thing for 48 hours. But but even the when I say the routine, the routine, or even the routine in, you know, making something, people watch it, connect with it, um, you know, and we go through the syntax of it. Maybe it's doing something different, but it's a very similar. Sometimes we start off with, this is what I do. This is what I love. And I've run, I've, I'm not speaking from an experience of like, you know, judgment. I'm saying that I've been, I've done this. Like I've done something that I absolutely loved. And then I systemized it to a point where the system became more important than the, than the people that were doing it. And mm. when that happened, I loved the system and I managed yeah. people. But when I started, I loved the people and I managed the system. And mm. when I, when that paradigm shifted, what happened was, is that I was looking more at, like, I almost got to a point, this sounds, I, this is horrible for me to even say it. I worshiped the system and it became my God. Interesting. What did the system give you? It gave me uh, results every single time. Um, I, you know, it, it gave other people results every single time. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. It's more <laughs> than the people, you know? Right. And for me, and I'm like this. I could plug and play like what we were talking about. I could plug and play any single person, put them into the system and every single one of them would work. Yeah, I don't have that. But I, we have the system for me, it's people and people come and go and people have emotions and stuff like that, which is a beautiful thing. But for me, everybody that's been consulting me as a, a business owner, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do this thing. Um, because these aren't things that I've studied previously is like, you've got to get systems and processes, systems and processes, or you're never going to scale. And you're just going to be solving the same problems over and over again. You have to put some systems in place as we've started to do that. It's allowed me some space to try to be more present and not have to just be running around, putting out fires. I have people capable of that within their, um, their vertical within wireless, you know? Um, so when I, Ask like what the system gave you. And I'm sure it's a very easy thing to worship in a sense and value more than the people because it's given you some reprieve, you know, and it's given you hope in a sense of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to go live more in my zone of genius because there's a system. So that's a very easy thing to appreciate, you know, but in the sense, I never want it to become more valuable than the mission, which is serving people, mm. right? And I believe that the day that I stop keeping that at the focus and this just becomes about me and, and feeling cool about myself, uh, then I'll lose, I'll lose it all. I think that God continues to bless our business because it's been about serving and being a river and not a reservoir. Every good thing that comes to us, we're trying to systemize it in a sense so that we can intelligently communicate it to those who are coming behind us and lay a foundation and a path for them. Um, so the system has done that for me. Um, and so it's allowed me to get out of scarcity mindset of, oh, I got to hold on and make this a reservoir and, and, and like just drink from it every day because it's ours and we built it. But the more that we serve, the more our lives have continued to be blessing. So I think the more that we can just be a river and not a reservoir, hopefully wireless will continue to grow. So this is a thing that I've, I've seen before and where 
say a person like yourself, um, you have the information in the system to be able to, I mean, help people on a, a massive basis. How do you manage, because there's a lot that goes into it for you, and especially as a business owner, there's always going to be the time where the person that comes in that works with you, whether it be mm-hmm. 50% or 55% or 40% or whatever it is, they're going to get to a point and say, why is she taking my 50%? And you're in your head, I know from a business owner standpoint, you ain't taking it. It's costing you. Mm-hmm. Although that's the paradigm that I see a lot of businesses get to. And then the person says, how do you prepare for that? I want them to go, I want to teach them the system and I want them to go make as much money as they can on their own, on their own channels, go monetize the crap out of that. And then once you feel like, man, I can't make any more money on this video. I did everything that I had the capability to do. Then say viralish, can you go make any money with it? Put it over Snapchat, put it on a 10 million follower page or a 2 million follower page over here. And then it took me years and hundreds of thousands of dollars to build that asset. So then let's just split the revenue down the middle. But also notice if I'm splitting the revenue with you down the middle, I could have put my own crap on there. I could have put my, I can keep, <laughs> I can keep putting my own videos and keep a hundred, but that's not the mission. The mission is to shortcut people's paths, right? So, and, and it's, it's a win-win really. I don't want to have to make content that populates these channels forever because there's creator burnout too. So let's yeah. create assets um, that have a common theme. Uh-huh. And people can create for that theme. Each one of these channels has a different theme to it, uh-huh. right? And so as creators continue to burn out, if we can train people in the way that we know works and is synonymous with what that audience on the channel loves, then we have a system that serves everybody. Here's the challenge uh, that, that I've seen as, as a parent. Uh, you're not a parent yet. Um, you want to have children? Do you guys want to have children? I, I think so. Okay. I All think right. so. You guys have some good looking babies. Oh, either either that or you're going to take all the looks of the family and your kids are going to have like you know five eyes i'm joking with you i'm kidding with you who knows we eat that was that one will go viral too um but when i when the the challenge that i'm uh, seeing with with say i mean you're not my age i could probably be your dad but the challenge that i'm seeing is that our generation a lot of times wants to build a resilience or build something. So what we do is we go through what we do, then we systemize it, right? Then we systemize it and we say to the kids like, okay, well, here is the kind of like, we can shortcut you on your way to this thing. Well, although, yeah. although, let's go back to your cooking analogy. If I yeah. watched a cake being made and I said, I love watching it and I love the taste of it. I want to make that exact same cake to be able to taste exactly the same. And I put different ingredients in it. I cannot expect it to turn out the way that the cake that I ate did. How can a person with your system, with the shortcut, without all of the bankruptcy, dad dying of alcoholism, challenges, hard knocks, you know, forced resilience, how can you then teach that or can you? You can. That is, those were my tools that I was given, but you have a totally different set of tools that make you special and unique. So we do the same prank. Um, I'm going to have a different energy than you are, and I can never replicate your energy. 
So it's a beautiful thing. We can all do the exact same video and it's going to feel different the way that we all do it, you know? And that's the beautiful part about it. Cause if we were all carving copies of each other, then the world would be a very, very boring place. So we're going to give you the formula to do it, to input your own energies and your own experiences, your own charisma and your own gifts. And we just want to give you a platform to, to do that. But we're certainly not, I'm certainly not trying to turn anybody into to me. That'd be horrifying. <laughs> well, <laughs> I actually, a lot of people would be like, oh, that'd be uh, pretty cool. What, what do you wish you could unlearn about this business? Oh gosh, you're so good at this. Um, these are great questions. What do I wish I could unlearn? I'm, I might have to think about that one because even the things that I'm like, aren't the most attractive pieces of our business, like the cringiest of the cringe content. I'm still grateful for that because we learned that people will watch crap if it's marketed the right way, mm. you know, and we just psychologically made people watch bad videos for a year and a half. And so, and that's how good the formula is. I'm like, if we can, <laughs> if we can like, that's just a testament to the formula. Like we made people watch or we didn't make anybody do anything. We just made 20 minute long, horrible content, but horrible is subjective too, because if it gets 200 million views, is it that bad? It's weird. It's absurdist, but it, it held your attention. And so if the formula can do that for bad videos, think of what it can do to, mm good videos to your content, right? To more enlightened educational content. There's tips that we gather there and tricks and psychological play uh, that is just fuel for people who want to take it and use it for good. <laughs> it was a fantastic experiment with Facebook. <laughs> Let's talk, let's talk about the minority report. There's another transition because that's an old movie. You probably don't even know what it is. So the minority report was when, uh, when they first kind of introduced AI, it was a Tom Cruise movie. Um, it was a cool movie at the time, but if I watched it today, I'd probably be like, this is garbage. Right. Yeah. And most of it's happening today. But what it talked about was the, the, the good and the evil that comes from the exact same thing. Mm. Right. And maybe a person, and you even watch it with Oppenheimer. So with Oppenheimer, this guy who had a mission, he was a brilliant brain, came to this place where he was like, this information that I'm about to give is going to change the world and change war as we know it. And then he had to deal with the fact of dropping a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but he didn't actually do it, but he exposed the way to be able to do it. How do you deal uh, with the Oppenheimer type of scenario? Because if somebody used your syntax and it was a negative kind of connotation, they could use that and make it viral too. Oh, sure. sure. How, how, how does one deal with that? Because I was thinking about Oppenheimer and I was like, I mean, I'm pretty shallow at times, a lot of times. So I was like, nah, <laughs> you know, I did my job. I'm out. Um, yeah. But how would you deal? Like if, if we did the, the, um, documentary yeah. or the movie later on and it wasn't called Oppenheimer. We're going to add some, we need to add some, um, uh, syllables to your name. And by the way, anyone <laughs> out there, I, I put her full name on and she was like, I just go by Adley. And I was like, okay, Prince. Uh, so, so <laughs> but I'm just joking with you. Well, you for so long in the country music and it was Kinsman, but nobody knows that because on all platforms, wherever it was Adley, and so people are like, oh, the kids, who's that? Next, it's going to be a symbol. I know, Adley. So, um, 
but, but with the movie, if you did the movie and, and it was Adley as opposed to Oppenheimer and you have this thing that works. Yeah. How, how do you reconcile in that place? My immediate thought was, well, it can't be too bad or the platforms will just shut it down because we make PG content. <laughs> you know? But um, you, you understand what I'm talking about, though. It's the it's the system in which to do it. Right. And then there, there's system, always the, yeah. the system and the attention and everything like that. But then there's always these movies like Minority Report or Oppenheimer where it's like there's a system and it's not the system that is bad. It's the way in which people use it. Right. But then there's yeah. the part of like if I expose this thing it could change and good and bad could use it. And, but I exposed it and it was, did you watch Oppenheimer? It was a three hour movie. So you didn't watch it. No. There's some shorts on YouTube that show a couple of scenes on it. Adley, if you could watch it, that would be awesome. Okay. I can do that. That's but I, do, you do you know, understand, do you understand the concept? You understand the concept where like, say like AI, people are arguing yeah. AI and they're saying like, oh my gosh, we're going to be controlled by robots. And then there's the other side that says, if there is robot nurses, yes, Alzheimer's patients can have yeah. this conversation with the, uh, with a robot and the robot not get tired of their story. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's, beautiful. it's really beautiful and very difficult for l truly life-changing information like that and pulling the cat out of the bag. Because you're right, once it's out of the bag, you can't put it back in. Like if, like LimeWire, you know, like Napster. Like once music was free, music's going to be free now, you know, for the, with it, for the consumer um, at least. So you can't put the cat back in the bag and you certainly can't, once you understand how to storytell in a certain way and you see how effective it is you can't you can't stop seeing these things um we certainly don't have the life-changing effect as uh, ai or a nuclear bomb but uh i think the beauty of it yeah you can use it for cr crappy videos as, as we've done uh for that fantastic test that we ran there the negative was a ruin my reputation uh to, to many um they're like adley videos is synonymous with horrible absolutely horrible content. So that part, I want to say I regret, but then again, I don't because what that test taught us, what that test has given us financially um, has allowed us to do a lot of good with it. So I think intention is one thing, but also what you do with the creation is obviously another. Do you, you understand too, like uh, when I'm, when I'm saying that I, again, I'm not blaming in it. I'm just looking at it and saying like, you know, and, and we could do that for anyone or anything. And you were saying, but I, I think about, like I say my pops, right? So my pops, when we were in, um, I was in fourth grade, this is 1985, 1985. Um, he came a, along a, a guy named James E. Tollison, who you don't know. No. Um, but James E. Tollison, come to find out, he just got out of prison, but made this thing called the course. And the course was, you could become a millionaire and there was a buzzard doer, a seagull doer, an eagle doer, or a courser doer made based off of how much you made in the month. And so they had you inside the course. Okay. And eagle doers and courser doers never drove Lincolns. That's what they said. They only drive Cadillacs. Well, my dad pops was in the military. Didn't happen to make maybe a thousand dollars a month. This course was 4,500 bucks. So 
and it was tapes and VCR, VCR tapes and cassette tapes and all this stuff. And we got the course. He was so excited. He bought it for $4,500. My mom wanted to strangle him. When we started watching the course, it taught you how to turn around and sell the course. And that's uh-huh. how you become a millionaire. Uh-huh. There's a okay. lot of courses like that. <laughs> now, what, what was great was that this, this course was, for me, there was principle-based. We had to listen to, you know, uh, we had to take 10 pages of notes before we could go out and play every single day. Uh, like me and my brother had to do this. We had to sleep teach. My dad put a, a speaker in our headphone or in our pillow, and we had to listen to eight uh, to 10 hours of uh, personal development every single night. Uh, we had to do these things called ships. It was a cassette tape, and we had to write out uh, Thomas Cardenas. Uh, no, yes, 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 Thomas Cardenas, 1109 Cottonwood, Vandenberg Air Force Base, 93437. And we had to do 100 of those tapes, handwritten. And those ships were tapes selling the course, and we would send them out of a mail list to other people to sell this $4,500 course. We also had to... Uh, answer the phone, yes, 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 which is the most embarrassing thing that can ever be done when you're in fourth grade. Yes, yes, yes. And then my friends would be like, ha, 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 you know, they'd laugh at me. So the reason why I'm saying this is because that a, a very similar syntax could be used to extract from people who don't have it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying the Oppenheimer thing is – you know, how do we, how do we deal with those things? Because it's not your responsibility, Adley. I mean, that's not your responsibility, but do you ever think, I mean, you ever think about it? Financially? Well, either financially or, you know, because again, once the cat's out the bag, that, that thing is exposed, that person can use it. Like a person mm-hmm. could use it. Right. How do we, how, like, cause I, I've run into that at times where I'm thinking like, I've got this thing it can be used for good. It could also be used for bad. I, I like, I, I struggle back and forth with both of them. You, you want to use it for bad? No, I don't want to use it for bad, but I'm just saying my idea could be used for bad. It could be used for good. Yeah. Now is it know. any, is it any of my responsibility or is it just my responsibility to put stuff out? I think it's your responsibility to, to put stuff out. Okay. The artist and me would say that, you know, cause if you don't, somebody else will, you know? And so if you want to participate and you have it, I would say, be the example and do it for good. Do it the way that it's intended, you know, cause somebody else is going to have most ideas aren't new. There's nothing new under the sun. So if you have it, I would do it and be an example. And then it's going to be hard for the bad guy to beat you. Cause he's going to have to overcompensate to outdo your good, you know? But it's going to be done either way. What was the when was the first time that you got exposed to the type of uh, you know systems that you're using, uh, like before you actually started using it, you know? Systems like company systems. Well, systems like company or, systems, or even like the video, like the hook and stuff like that, because you were exposed to it as a kid. I mean, you know, you would watch the, um, you know, you would watch the whatever vi- uh, commercial, and it would have those things go down. Yeah. It. When did you ever? When did you experience it and when did it click? Like, oh, wow, that's what they were doing. Uh, tw- for, the, for the business of what we do now, I was exposed to how to mentor in 2017, 2018. He really taught me how to do this on uh, really on Facebook and, and still largely on Facebook. Um, but that's where it started as having a mentor. And I, I didn't have to figure out those pieces, all of them on my own. I was able to see, okay, there's a formula here 
and a way to grab attention and, and a share of this market and then put put myself into it, you know, and then adlify it in a way. Um, and then there's yeah other people that are crushing it and I can never do what they do, you know, uh, but there's room for everybody. And that's a beautiful thing. People tend to think there's a lot of competition online. Why would you teach the formula? And there should be an NDA all around this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is silly. You know, this is so silly. There's room for everybody, just like in music. You know? Is there anything you can... Is, I'm, I'm firmly on the other side of the fence. Yeah. Is there anything that you couldn't sell? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I tried to sell uh, this. You remember these things? They were viral on a... TikTok for a while is these little song class things. <laughs> we bought that company because I was like, listen, we're doing a billion and a half views a month. Surely we could sell something. Lost my ass. <laughs> no, <laughs> did not sell that. Then again, I didn't really try. I thought it was going to be easier than it was. And then had to. I've gotten quick, better at quick decision making to be like, this one, I'm not passionate about it too. Yeah, it's had its time. We need to come up with more SKUs and all this. And I'm like, eh, I'll take the loss. How do you know when to give up the ghost? Like, how do you know when to walk away from You said you, you know, you, you did it quick. Um, I'm sure early on in your career, you were like, no, this thing will work. I'm sticking with it. Oh, gosh. Kelly, I wrote a book for a year and a half. Um, it's called How They Sell Music. And because music was you know becoming free people weren't buying records and anything anymore and so i took people from all different walks of the life and music people who are a six-person band that started in their garage regionally touring and what point did they know they could quit their jobs and like old school touring how did you do that a couple youtube stars a couple rappers and everybody had a totally different approach to how they broke out in music and each person wrote a chapter um pretty much answering the question of if you're backstage and somebody said would you give me any advice what, what would you say wrapped into your story? Cause you all did it and you all did it in totally different ways. And everybody had a chapter and that was my book. And then did one of the systems where it became Amazon number one bestseller, you know? And the second that happened, I'm like, I'm over it. I'm exhausted. <laughs> like I did it, but I, I'm not, I don't want to do volume two and volume three. Like I don't want to fulfill my original vision for this. Um, it's a little bit of a blessing and a curse that I'm kind of always on to the next thing. Somebody called it a birther. And when my mom heard that, she got very excited. Uh, but she's like, I know one thing you can birth. Um, <laughs> grandkid. But um, I do have that need to consistently create. And that is why putting people around me has been so important because they hold me accountable. So the last thing I created, uh, they're like, well, what about this one? We're on to the next. But that's uh, been very, that's my skill is going and seeing kind of the future of what I want, what I think is possible and creating opportunities that don't currently exist having a vision past my current circumstances, right? And so then th that's where everybody who loves me was like, you need systems and processes or <laughs> you're going to just jump from one thing to the next. So it really helped us come in and systemize. And really the course is the only thing that we've ever really sold. You know, I didn't really sell that book. Um, and I've never, we've haven't had to sell to make money. And I feel fortunate for that mm -hmm. outside of selling people's attention. I guess we, we sell attention. Do you, do you want to sell the course? Yeah, I think it'd be great. With the more people we can get it in hands than the hands of, absolutely. Uh, Cause I know what it can do for people. And also it's, it's a fun challenge to solve. I love our weekly live calls. I am so energized by getting to help solve problems for people in real time. And they thought this video would work and they really thought 
this and this, and they thought it was great. And I'm like, I can tell you four reasons why that didn't pop. Everybody on the Zoom call, raise your hand if you would have watched that video. Nobody would have watched that video. So let's break down why. I'm sorry. You know, no, I understand. Bit, but, um, but let's break it down so we can do better next time. Like I love that part of coaching. Do you um, feel love- in, in the coaching part though, do you feel any drag? And when I say this, watch this. Um, I was talking with a, a business owner. And so um, for like, it's, it, it's, my wheelhouse is being able to help people with their systems and uh, systems and processes and be able to make them more efficient. Right. And, but also add the vibe to that. Right. So when I was talking with this owner, she was like, I'm, I'm te- I'm teaching and I'm, I love it. And I'm just really into it. And, but we started to talk about the amount of drag that it had. And what I meant by that, not that it's a drag or they're a drag. It just means that like a great white shark. And I think of you as a great white shark, right? So there's not a predator in your space that is seeking you out. You're not prey to anybody. Now, some people would say it would be the orcas now that they've seen the the videos, but a great white shark, it has, this is going to sound bad. It has parasite fish that swim all around it. If the great white shark ever turns around towards the parasite fish, they'll scatter. And everyone eats as long as the great white shark continues to go after its prey. But the moment it turns around to all the people who are following, all they see is 16 rows of teeth and they think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get eaten. Mm. How much do you love being Adley, making videos, go doing your thing? And if that could inspire people, would you just do that? And how much drag does it say to be able to grab a thousand people and be like, yo, come and do this thing that I know how to do that I could do in my sleep that I could make it happen all the time. Yeah. Is there any? Yeah. Uh, There's a great question. I I wrestle with this every day um, because I love entertaining more than every, more than anything. That's the main thing. Right. But where's the river in that like if we have this superpower and i watch and i watch every day how it has changed lives it's very hard to not have a system to teach more people to do that and you should see my dms of how do i do this how do i train for you do you have a course this was for years before i put one together and then i'm like let me take six months put one together and then we have it and then i'm going to do these weekly calls but we have a team who pretty much runs it without me because that was the thing i was like this has to be minimum time investment because it is not my highest and best use. I need to keep moving forward, but also create a system that to leave something in the path that people can follow. Mm. And then it also helps our ecosystem as well. So if I, my dream is to not be a coach. I don't want to hold, I don't want to be a coach, a marketer, like a guru. I don't want to do that. Um, but I want to solve the problems that we're solving for brands right now are really exciting to me. The entertainment uh, thing, I'm hosting a new reality show. Like that stuff is the most exciting to me and it's worth the time for money trade off. Right. Um, coaching is not, it's more of a passion project and it's my, it's my river project. And maybe someday it will make financial sense. We're just not there yet. (laughs) One of the guys that I, uh, one of my friends, his name is Gino Stampora. He's probably not listening, uh, but Gino, I love you. He said to me one time, um, I said, uh, how was the flight? He said it was delayed. I said, how was the cab? He said, you know, it was delayed. And uh, I said, so how's your day? And he said, amazing. And I said, how can your day be amazing if flight was delayed, <laughs> cab was delayed? He said, if the money outweighs the poo-poo, um, 
then I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's not what I was raised on. That's not what I was raised on. My pops would snatch me up. If you ever got a chance to meet my pops, my pops would have snatched me up real quick. My mom would have smacked me for that one too. But I listened to it and I was like, it's his opinion, his view. Yeah. Is there a place for you where the money outweighs the poo-poo? Mm-hmm. The problems, I like solving problems, but the problems that I'm solving right now are not fun. It is, uh, I'm having to be very disciplined to solve the problems that I'm solving right now. And it's not, the, I, this is not the part of the job that I love, not the part that I thought I was signing up for, but the benefits of solving these problems, the money, the everything that's graduating us um, through this creator economy, that is worth it. Money is just one piece of it, but that is worth solving these problems these problems, the delays and the the bad things that are happening along the way. And that's, you're signing up for that as an entrepreneur. You're signing up to get kicked in the face over and over and over again. (laughs) You know, that's, you're signing up for that. So if you have to expect it, because if you don't expect it, you're just going to think, why are all these bad things happening to me all the time? Why is it so painful and miserable and hard? Because you signed up for that, you know, (laughs) you you can't complain about it. You and so expectations are everything. Like I expect it to be hard the whole way through. So every benefit that we get, every glimpse of hope, every check that we can write, every celebration we get from another million follower page, um, they outweigh it. They outweigh it because it means people are entertained. Uh, they chose to watch it um, and we're offering jobs to people. And I've never realized how gratifying that would be also to give people a job that they love. Like we get to show up and make silly videos every day I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pay you to do it. I'm also paying you to learn a very transferable skill, which is wow. the sale of attention, you know? So I think it's a good job that we're offering people. It's not fun all the time, <laughs> but <laughs> the good outweighs the bad. Otherwise, what, we, we have to do something else. What do you wish that people knew about Adley? Um, that I hope I have a good heart. I wish they got to be listening on these conversations, and I hope they do, because when they just see the silly videos they think that's just you know who I am, or I'm just a con artist of people's time. And though they may have felt that way, that's not my that's my, not my heart or my intention. And you watched the video and you shared it and you commented, so you're you know <laughs> you're gonna get shown another. <laughs> so that part's on you. But I just people <laughs> 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 get to see the heart of why we do it. You know, I wish I got to hear this conversation. Oh. You, you just got gangster on them right there. You were like, look, yeah. if you're going to judge me, you shared it. <laughs> you commented, you fed the algorithm, you did exactly what we knew you would do. That's what, what, us. what, what makes you, what makes you belly laugh? <laughs> this, um, what makes me belly laugh? Oh, good dad jokes. Really good dad jokes. The sillier, the better. Um, unexpected things happening. I belly laugh every day when I come out of this office and I go into our living room and see what they're concocting. I looked out this window yesterday and I saw a 72 year old man walking through our backyard in a tutu and a Cupid bow and arrow with a tank top on and little heart (laughs) things bouncing around his head. I'm like, we're getting paid for this. This is great. (laughs) It sounds like, sounds like you're the next one that Cat Williams is going to (laughs) expose. Oh, yeah. Great. I'm I just kidding. I'm just joking with you. I'm kidding with you. 
I don't know what you're talking about. So you don't because you haven't seen that. What he said is every ma- a black man that that be, goes into Hollywood, they uh, end up making him wear a dress at some point or another. That's what he said during his interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So please don't don't watch it. You do have to please read the um, uh, Save the Cat. You'll it'll you'll you'll love it because not that not that you're going to learn a ton because you're you're a master at your craft, but what it is going to do is whenever I spend time like with the Tennessee Titans fan because I'm the original OG fan Oilers here, um, when I do I get to speak about things that I nerd out on that thing. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. which is awesome. Um, what's the worst? The absolute worst business decision, uh, like the worst idea that you had that you pushed through and you went after and it was horrible. I lost $1.5 million the other year. Uh, we had let the internet plan our wedding and, uh, we had an investor that was going to do the whole thing with us. It was signed to Boona Murray, the godfathers of reality TV. They created the Kardashians project runway real world. Like they created reality TV. So I'm like, Okay, we the investor dropped out, but we are signed to them. They were letting the Kardashians. It was the end of the Kardashians era with them. Um, so they were like, we want this to replace it. And we let the Internet choose all these things. So picture like home makeover shows, but the Internet's voting on the carpet and voting on the paint colors and all this. So you're you have a built in audience ready to watch it by the time it comes out. So you just have that pre-built and we had all this exposure for it. Um, so when the investor pulled out, I was like, we got to do it. And so that's still sitting on uh, someone's desk because all of our champions got fired four months into signing. Like turnover in Hollywood at these production companies just does does this and these networks, it's wild. But I had dinner with Simon Lithgow two nights ago and he told me way worse stories of of shows that took seven years to make and all their champions got fired three times on the same show and they had to start over and over. Um, So I'm like, I feel like it's a rite of passage that you just have a show that's something you invest in and it just falls flat. Um, I still think God's doing some weird stuff with that show now because I got all the rights back. So we'll see uh, what happens there with that IP. I think I think we're going to understand why that happened. But every other day, Blake's like, Internet takeover. Remember when you lost one point five million dollars? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it was an awesome wedding <laughs> that we didn't have. Yeah, we showed up and just genuinely didn't know where we were getting married, didn't pick the dress, didn't pick anything. The internet, the people, the part that likes us, they planned it uh, based on what they know about us. And um, it was so beautiful. We were just full of tears the whole way. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, so don't regret it. Uh, but I, I still think that story's waiting for its resolve. Here's my last compliment of the day. Um, Adley, what I want you to, what, what I want you to understand, um, and I don't know if I'm speaking for other people, I'm definitely speaking for myself, um, since becoming aware, um, you have really inspired me, um, on the principles that even my parents gave me, which was to uh, like, be okay with being yourself. And be okay to be able to laugh. Like this morning when I was watching some of your stuff, at first I watched it and I was like, are you kidding me? And then I started and I was like, this is awesome because I just, it it was a sense of freedom. And I want you to know that you give people a sense of freedom. And you have, for me, more than anything through this interview and through this time, 
the the laughter that you have, how light you're able to keep things, but also the the depth in which you you work. I, I want to compliment you at the highest level, and it, it really truly comes from my heart in that um, because there's very few people that are willing to just like really have a good time, laugh, and you know, Not you you both. truly entertain. It's massive. Thank you. That means so much to me. That that because that's all I want to do is be myself and entertain people. So I'm very <laughs> grateful for that. Well, on the back here, you know Adley, uh, check this out. My I started the podcast because of my two kids, uh, Maddox who's uh, 12 years old. He's a quarterback and he plays flag football. He, this kid is an absolute cartoon character. Um, he's got uh, dreads down the middle of his back, one side of his head shaved, another quarter of his head shaved. He looks like a Viking. Kid is unbelievable. Um, my daughter is 15 years old. She's in the, uh, the acting world, um, singer, dancer, all that stuff. I started it because I didn't want them to worship idols. I just wanted them to be inspired by icons. After this interview, I consider you an icon, not because of all the billions of views or anything like that, but because, because, Allie. go back and listen. If you have, if you're just catching in now, go back and listen to this whole entire interview and you'll see somebody who actually believes in what it is that they're doing. And that wouldn't, you wouldn't see that from the surface. You would not see that. That's very you true. Wouldn't. You wouldn't. find that a lot that people just are out there doing things that they don't believe in. And I just, I want to compliment you on that, but I, I didn't want them to, to um, worship idols. I wanted them to be inspired by icons. So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both their names and call yourself Auntie Adley, it would be awesome. Mm. Maddox and Maddie. McKenna. Did you Come just on. say Maddie? I said Adley. You just wanted to use your own name again. Prince. I did. I did not. I texted you 30 minutes ago saying I have to pee so bad. I'm struggling to think straight. It's getting to that point. So you forgive me. <laughs> See, I turned off my notifications. I'm gonna show the people right now this. Now you have to answer the question, then you can go to the bathroom. All right. I won't show you your number. You gotta tap oh. your screen. Oh, my bad focus yeah i have to pee really bad and then 30 minutes later really really bad yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> maddox and mckenna you already know that you are beautifully and wonderfully made and that god has a deep deep purpose for your life you're going to forget that sometimes you're going to forget that often and frequently but when you start to lose sight of why you're here or what your purpose is or feel pressure that you even have a purpose like you have to find it or create it know that that is not from your maker. That is not your job to figure it out and, and look for it in a placement in life. Your purpose is not in a placement. It's not in what you do for work or the way that you show up in the world that other people are validating. Your purpose is very much just you being you. So it is your protecting your character, your integrity and your inputs and the things that you allow into your life, the things that come in between your ears and soak into your brain and your heart is the most powerful thing to pay attention to and protect. You have the best parents that God could have ever created for you guys specifically. You're very, very fortunate. And I know you're gonna go on to do great things in the world, but don't let the pressure of that knowing stop you from enjoying the levity in life 
and don't put so much pressure on yourself that you try to overanalyze it. Don't take that too seriously that you miss out on the fun. So I hope to get you, meet you guys very, very soon. Adley, I'm going to tell you this. You're officially off the hot seat because you use pressure like 15 times. And I know why you're saying that. So uh, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> it took a second for you to get that one. But I want to tell you, I admire you. You're incredible. Uh, Adley, you're officially off the hot seat. Go and uh, make videos. Continue to light up the world. And please, 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 please uh, just continue being Adley because we all need it. We love you. Likewise, Kelly. I love you too. I'm so grateful to have you as a new friend in my life and see you in person very, very soon. I look up to you and I can't wait to hang out. We're gonna have a Peace, ball. love, and soul. Peace, love, and soul.